Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Okay, so uh, we are beginning our God in the Movie series. This is our third or fourth year doing this. And the whole idea is, I have mentioned a few minutes ago, that what we're doing is taking clips from some of the most popular movies of the year, and we are weaving them throughout the message, and we're actually looking for a deeper meaning, a truth that God has for us from his word that can encourage us today. Uh, and I think you'll find it in some unlikely places. Uh, so the movies that we're going to be exploring this month is today we're exploring Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, next week, we're going to be exploring the movie called The Shack. The week after that, Zootopia, and then finishing up the month with Hidden Figures. And so, go ahead and get your sodas ready. Every, every year, we've kind of started this tradition now where we like to open these sodas together, and you get to hear that cool fizzy sound. It's just a cool, fun little moment. So on the count of three, we're all going to open these sodas together, all right? You all ready? One, two, three. Oh, yeah. All right, turn your eyes to the screen. Let's get moving. What's your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private DOS. There's Private DOS. I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. But you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a gift from the United States government. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. You don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. With the world tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Dust, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. I'm gonna get you out. There's something you gotta see. Who did this? That's the coward. We have to go back up, and they're not gonna go up there without you. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. All right. Hope you guys are all settled into your chairs there, enjoying your popcorn and soda. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge is a movie about a man named Desmond Doss who joins the U.S. Army during World War II. When he was a, a, a young man, he made a decision and, a, and uh, an oath before God that he would never resort to violence ever again in his life after he almost killed his brother in a, in a fight. He and his brother were fighting, and he picked up a rock, and he hit him in the head. And then later on in life, his father was a drunk and was beating his mother, and he uh, threatened to kill his father with a gun. And at that moment, he realized that he had a propensity towards violent outbursts, and he made it a, a deal with God. He said, God, I'm never going to resort to violence again. But then World War II happens, and Desmond decides that he's going to enlist in the army. And uh, 
It puts him at odds with his fellow soldiers because this was a time where there was a righteous hatred towards the Japanese and, uh, and, and maybe the Germans and other parts of the world. He was going to be sent into the Pacific. And, uh, and he decided that he was not going to pick up a rifle, as we saw in the preview there, that he was not going to be violent. And so he finds himself at odds between his fellow soldiers, and he has to choose between doing what he feels is right, standing up for what he believes is right, and, uh, and his willingness to, to try to fit in, but to, to have to choose between that. And so today what we're really going to be talking about is convictions and willingness to stand up for something uh, is what we're talking about today. Now this summer, my, my son Lincoln went to summer camp at the Boys and Girls Club. And they have a video game room that they're allowed to go play in every couple hours. They get, you know, maybe a half an hour or so. And I was talking to my son one day about if he had a fun time. And he said, yeah, he's having a good time. I said, what games do you play when you're up in the, in the, the game room? And he said to me, he said, well, I don't get to play much. And I said, why not? And he said, because my friends are playing Call of Duty Black Ops, which is um, a really popular game that's out right now and one that we don't allow Lincoln to play. And I said, oh, well, can you just ask them to play something else? He said, well, that's all that they want to play, and there's a long line. And I said, and then they asked him to play. And I said, well, what do you do? And he kind of, you could see the struggle on his face. And I said, buddy, what's the matter? And he said, well, I know that I'm not supposed to play this game. I know that I'm not allowed to do this. I said, okay, well, then why don't you just tell your friends, hey, guys, I'm not allowed to play this one. Can I play something else? And I could see it on his face, the struggle of, but if I say that I'm not supposed to do this, or I don't believe this is right, the things that are going through his mind are, what if they make fun of me? Or what if I maybe at worst I lose a friend? Or maybe even worse than that, perhaps they pick on me and bully me now. And I thought about that. And I thought about my life. And I wonder maybe in your life, have you ever been faced with a situation? Maybe not like that. I mean, that was a, as a child. But as adults, I think we face similar circumstances you know, have you ever been faced with a situation where you believed something was right, but you felt like you were the only one? I have. What were you thinking at that time? What did you do in that situation? How did you respond? You know, it can be really scary to be the voice of opposition. It can be difficult to take the risk of being the one to stand up and say something is right or to speak out against injustice. And oftentimes, doing the right thing is hard, and we risk being isolated, we risk being, being ostracized, we risk being mocked by our peers or by our, our, our co-workers. And in this movie, Desmond enlists in the army because he believes in what is happening. He believes in the fight. He believes in, in his country. And, but at the same time, he refuses to even pick up a rifle during his training at basic camp, basic training. And so his drill sergeant takes him to his to his superior to have him explain himself. And Desmond tries to explain why he is not willing to pick up a rifle and why he believes he's doing his right, but it doesn't go very well. Let's take a look at what, it, uh, what happens. What exactly is the problem? No problem, just a mistake. It's, uh, I, I, I told the Army when I, when I joined up. It's not up. possible. Do you know why it's not possible, Private? No, sir. Because the United States Army does not make mistakes. So if there's a problem, you must be that problem. I was just never supposed to be sent to a rifle company. He's a CO, sir. You're a conscientious objector. And you joined the Army. Well, no, sir. I'm, I'm a conscientious cooperator. 
Are you screwing with me, Doss? No, no, sir. I volunteered. I ain't got no no problem with wearing my uniform and saluting the flag and, and doing my duty. It's just just carrying a gun and taking a human life. She don't kill. That's all. Yes, sir, that's all. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in a war. Yes, sir. I mean, that is the essential nature of war. Yes, sir. All right. Do you have any other requirements of the United States Army? Is there anything else that we can do to ensure that you have a comfortable stay here with us? And he doesn't want to work on Saturday, sir. Well, Saturdays, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, so... Saturday is my Sabbath, so I'm not allowed to work then. I don't think that poses a problem, do you, Sergeant? We should simply ask the enemy not to invade on the Sabbath, because Private Doss here is at prayer. All right. Well, now we got that clear. Now let me tell you my requirements. They're not as complicated as yours. They're very simple. As long as you're in this company, under my command, you will obey my orders, period. If you can't do it here, I can't trust you to do it in battle. <laughs> I'm putting you in for a Section 8 psychiatric discharge. Dismissed. You know, I think the reason that people love this movie isn't because Desmond caves under the pressure, because he doesn't. I think that what happens is, is that we see him standing up, even when his superiors are mocking him, even when it's difficult, he has to explain himself, and it seems like it goes against every grain of what that culture, acceptable culture at the time was. It's not that, that uh, you know, he, he caves under pressure, that's, the, that's, that's what people are, are loving about it. It's because there is something powerful about standing up for something that's, that's right and for doing the right thing, even though there might be a cost to it. I think there's something inside all of us that, that wants to be like that. I think all of us look and we think, I admire that. When we watch movies like this and we see someone standing up for it, that's why we love comic book movies. That's why we love superhero movies. That's why we love to see the person doing the right thing because there's something that resonates inside of us as human beings that we want to be like that. And that is a principle that we see time and time again throughout Scripture. In fact, there's a story in the Bible in Daniel chapter 3 uh, if you're going to go ahead and begin turning there, we're going to read a, a small portion of scripture from there. There were three men who were government employees in a foreign nation that was hostile to their own religion. And one day, the king of that uh, kingdom, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, decided that he was going to erect a massive golden statue, and he commanded all the people in the nation to bow down and to worship it under threat of death. So in other words, hey, I made this statue. You need to worship it as God, and if you don't, we're going to kill you for it. Now, these three men, who we will call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we'll see here in Scripture in a moment, have a dilemma on their hands because they are not Babylonian. They do not have the same religion. In fact, their religion requires that they, uh, forbids them from worshiping any other God than the one true God, Yahweh. And so they're in a dilemma because the king respects them. They were employed in the king's service. They were respected as good guys, as, as hard workers. But their dilemma was, do we, what do we do in this situation? I've been commanded by the law to do something that I know is immoral and is wrong and I cannot do. And so they have a dilemma of whether or not they should participate or whether they should refuse or maybe even compromise. Perhaps it went through their mind and they were thinking that 
Maybe my, our lives are, wor- are worth more than, 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 this, than this thing. Maybe they compromise in their mind and they think that their life is, more, is worth more than standing up for what is right. So they had this dilemma, and instead what they decided to do was put their fate in the hands of their God. So let's take a look at Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 20. It's going to be on the screen here. And by the way, we have free Bibles. If anyone needs a Bible, they're available down here in the front or at the Connection Center. We'd love for you to have one. Please do not leave without a free Bible today. Daniel 3, verse 16 says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our three friends, replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer to this question. If the God that we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, I love that, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Can you see the parallel here with with these guys in Desmond? Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. And what we would see later on in the movie is that after this, they try to make Desmond's life uh, terrible. They have people who, people who beat him up. They have people who mock him. They have people who they make him, the entire unit, turn against him because they make him do extra work and things. That's a lot like what I think Nebuchadnezzar just said right here. It says Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards them. At one point, he saw them as friends or as allies, but when he didn't get what he wanted, his face, his whole concept changed. You know, when, when you hold to a conviction to stand up for what is right, there's a lot of ways that people will respond to you. Sometimes they just think you're outright weird and they'll make fun of you or they'll mock you or maybe they'll go out of their way to, to hurt you. But sometimes what people will do is they will try to convince you otherwise. They'll try to confuse you. They'll try to manipulate the circumstance or manipulate words to make you think that you don't know what you're really talking about or make you doubt what you believe And that's why it's so important to know what you believe. That's why it's so important to know because you will be tested in it. And sometimes we see this a lot when you're talking to people who don't believe that God is real. If you're having a conversation about why you believe in God or what you believe the Bible teaches about who God is and how you should live your life, this, you see this prime and a prime example that people oftentimes who don't understand, they think you're silly, will try to twist things around or get you to be confused. So it's so important to know what you believe and why, because it will be tested. And this same thing just happens to Desmond Das. Let's take a look. Do you hear voices, Desmond? No, sir. But I understand that God talks to you, is that right? Sir, I'm not a crazy person. Is that how you feel most people regard you, a, a crazy person? I'm, I'm different, I know that, but I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I am what I am. It sounds lonely. You lonely? So you don't hear voices? No, sir. I pray to God and I like to think he hears me, but it ain't a conversation like the one we're pretending to have right now. <laughs> 
pretending private. Well, yes, sir. I know all you really want to do is give me a Section 8, draw me out of the army, but I'm not off, up above. I just simply believe what I believe. Well, I'm trying to understand, all right? Was it, was it God who told you not to pick up a rifle? God says not to kill. That's one of his most important commandments. Most people take that to mean don't commit murder. War is a completely different set of circumstances. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. This is Satan himself we're fighting. Surely as a good Christian, you can see that. I can't see that, sir, and that is why I joined up. But I'm sorry, I will not. All right. So what we saw right there is a man who under pressure knew what he believed. He had convictions for what he believed. He was not going to allow someone to back him into a corner or to reshape the way that he thinks about him. Have you ever had any, any situations like that where you were trying to explain why you feel about something or you stood up for something that was right? Maybe, maybe you tried and, and, and backed out in the end. And I, I, There's no shame here for that. What I believe God is saying to us today I believe that he wants us to look at a life like Desmond Dawes. This is a true story. This is a true story of a man who knew what he believed in and stood up against the might of the U.S. Army, against all cultural norms at the time to do something that he felt was right. And not just something he felt was right, but something he believed in his faith, in his heart, was biblical or was right. And so even under pressure, Desmond doesn't give in. He is so convinced that what he believes in and the commitment that he made to God that he wouldn't let anyone change his mind. So what's the, what's the lesson for us today? Like, how, can we, how could we possibly apply this? I mean, you and I are not, uh, you know, facing a fiery furnace. Uh, we are not facing the hellfire of battle without a rifle. We are not in World War II. We're not in a situation to where our scenarios or circumstances of our daily lives are, are to the magnitude that we see in these stories. So what can we learn from this? I would say this, whether it's being asked to cut corners at work or saying no to the drunken party at your friend's house, or confronting your racist family member or friend or neighbor, or telling the truth when it would be far easier to lie, or a myriad of any other types of situations. There are so many opportunities for us to compromise our values and because of the pressures all around us. And as Christians, we are called to something higher. We're called to reflect Jesus and his values and who he is to the world and to stand up for what is right because we represent him who lived that way, ultimately giving his life on a cross for what he believed in. And that's the, that's the example that we've been set. So where, where do we draw from in those situations? Maybe uh, something in your life is, is causing you stress or you're not sure how to respond. And I believe that when I preach, I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks throughout the room and that even though I listed maybe four or five situations that came to my mind as I was writing, I believe that as I was saying that, that God was speaking to your heart, that there are things he's either reminding you of or he's preparing your heart or he's giving you ideas in your mind of things that you might be faced with or compromises or opportunities for you to stand up. And so whatever that is, where do we draw from? How can we draw from draw strength to do the right thing in those moments? Well, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. I love this. This is great because, because these apostles, these disciples were facing great persecution. And this is what they said in verse, 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, And who will harm you? 
if you are deeply committed to what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Now, remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Aaron preached on this concept of blessed, we tend to think in our modern concept the word blessed means I have stuff. Like, oh, I pleased God, so he, you know, like rewarded me. Like, that's what we think of as a blessing. But a blessing is actually a state of being. The, to be blessed means that you, that you are in the presence of God, that your life is aligned with his principles and his teaching. Your lifestyle is, is trying to be under the beam of light, if you will. If God was right there, I want to stand under his beam. That's a symbol, okay? We're not literally talking about a beam of light. But the idea is, is if I align myself with who God is and what he wants for my life, then his favor rests upon me, and we call that blessed. So what does it say here? It says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be disturbed, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. I like that. What would you say if someone said, why do you believe what you believe? Are you ready? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about when someone says, how can you be calm in the middle of this craziness in your life? Have you ever thought about what you would tell them? He's telling us to be ready to give that answer. However, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. Don't give them any evidence or anything to, to, uh, to hold you guilty. You know, Anything they could accuse you of, it will be shown as not true if your life is right. And then he says in verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. You know, I think that the, the point that the apostle Peter who wrote this passage is trying to get at for us when we read this is that it is more important to know who you are and to be true to that, to stay true to that in all circumstances rather than to go along with the crowd and forfeit your values just so you can avoid conflict or pressure or persecution. I want to say that again. It's more important to know who you are and to be true to that rather than to go along with the crowd and forfeit your values just so you can avoid persecution. And so what does that all mean for us? What does that mean for us today? What can we learn from this movie? It's our big idea of the day. Write this down if you're taking notes. It's know yourself and do what's right so that others can know Jesus. Do what's right or know yourself and do what's right so others can know Jesus. I would ask you this question. Who are we? And who do we serve? Who do you serve? Who are you? Who are you as a person? Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Are you just someone who likes Jesus from afar? Are you a devoted follower? Are you a disciple? Who do you serve? Do you serve the world? Do you serve celebrities? Do you serve Jesus? Do you serve your government? Who? You have to decide these questions. Because the answer to that question is what fuels our decision about how we react, how we respond, and whether or not we will stand up for something or whether we won't. Who do we serve and who are we? And Peter said in verse 15, to honor the Messiah as Lord in your life, as Lord in your hearts, the Messiah. So he's drawing it there. He's saying, he says, know who you are. You are a child of God. You are saved. You have been purchased. You have been redeemed. You're forgiven. You have mercy. You have grace. You have freedom in your life. That's who you are. Know that. Live like that. Live like Jesus so that other people can see him. And what do I mean by that? You know, as followers of Christ, we are literally reflecting 
the person and the character of Jesus Christ in our actions. And if our actions are contrary to that of Jesus, if our actions are contrary to his teachings, what does that do? It confuses the people about who Jesus is. If my actions don't line up with Jesus, people get a different idea of who Jesus is. Because as Christians, we're like lighthouses. We're like beacons. We're like mirrors. Our job is to reflect the person of Jesus. And if everything we're doing is sending the wrong message, the wrong signal, no wonder they don't want to know him. No, wrong, no wonder they, they think that Jesus is a, is a hypocrite or they think that Jesus is a judgmental liar or, or, or whatever the, the myriad of things that the world says about Christians because sometimes we don't do a great job of reflecting who Jesus is and living our lives that way. I believe that's why in The passage ends in verse 17 by saying it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil because what matters most is that people see Jesus for who he really is. Jesus is the one who didn't stop when people mocked him. Jesus was the one who didn't take the easy way out to avoid conflict. Jesus was the one who was willing to take the worst of what the world could do to him and turn it so that we could have life. Jesus was the one who says that he will never leave us or he'll never forsake us. Jesus is the one who can be trusted. And so that's why it's so important for us to reflect him properly. We have to stand up when things are wrong because Jesus would stand up for what is wrong. We have to know ourselves, know who we are, and do what's right so that others can know Jesus. And maybe we could paraphrase this part of 1 Peter 3 like this. It is better to suffer for doing good so that people can see who Jesus really is. And so when we make the decision to be the kind of person that Jesus reflects Jesus accurately, we have the opportunity to really turn heads. When we act differently, like Desmond, he's like, I know that I'm different. I know that I'm not the same. I know that I'm not like everybody else, but it's his being different that's what caused eyes to look at him. And that's uncomfortable for some of us. For some of us, you don't want eyes on you. And I understand that. And you feel like, I don't want people watching me. But that's part of the calling that we have. We've been given freedom and life. The things that you've been set free from, Jesus says, now you need to give that to other people. And in order to do that, you have to be willing to say, I used to be like that, but I'm not anymore. And that part of that is standing up for what's right so that other people can see who Jesus really is. And at the end of the movie Hacksaw Ridge, after being mocked, after being beaten, after being spit on, after being slandered, Desmond finally gets the chance to show what he's made of, and it changes everything. Let's take a look at the final clip today. Oh, oh. We gotta get out of here. Okay. Go. 
scene i love that i love that he's just crying out to god saying god i just want one more this is his chance right this is the time that he's been waiting for all the the moments that he had where he was getting beaten up where he was getting spit on when he's being made fun of all those times when he's like is it worth it and then he finally has his chance and then and then he could have been like i did it i did it i got my one i got two i did you know i'm gonna get a, a bunch of medals for this no he doesn't stop and would you know that he saved 75 people that day. 75 people. He wouldn't stop. And I think this is such a beautiful moment. And it, it wasn't because he was stubborn that he was holding to his beliefs. It's because he cared about people. He cared about what was happening in the world and he wanted to do something about it. He was willing to put himself through complete torture so that he could save lives. And it was the combination of his being different already and then his relentless passion for other people is what changed the perspective of everybody around him. And what we see after this in this scene afterwards is that all of the soldiers who fled, all the soldiers who ran away, they're like, where's Private Doss at? And then they say he's still up top. And then he keeps lowering people, more and more and more people. And eventually it changed the entire way that they seen, that they saw Desmond. They didn't see him as a loser anymore. They saw him as someone who was better than them because he stood up for what was right and they chose to mock him instead. And that's the power of what happens when you stand up for the right thing. When you do something that is right, even though it might hurt, it gives you the opportunity to pave the way to something greater than yourself. 
It calls people to something greater than they could even see. I love that. He says, just give me one more, Lord. Just one more, and he ends up saving 75. If it's Christians, we could live with that same kind of tenacity and passion and drive for what matters to God's heart. I believe that we can change that world too. And I believe as a church, if we would make that our prayer, God, one more, help us to reach one more person. Every time someone walks in on a Sunday morning, let's reach them one more person, God. If we could say, give us one more, God, and let's our prayer every single day as a church, I believe we will reach this city. And that's what God is calling us to. You know, somebody recently asked me, and I'll close with this. You can go ahead and begin. Somebody asked me recently, I've been posting on Facebook and social media lately, you know, some questions that, have, that are difficult questions about racism or about discrimination. And people are asking me, why are you doing that? You know you're just going to start arguments or that people will argue with you or that you're going to see a lot of ugliness in the comments. And, and I said, I know that. I said, it's possible. I said, but you know what? What I responded with was I want to be the kind of a person that confronts injustice. I want to be that kind of a person. I have a choice. I could either say nothing, I could do nothing, or I could choose to use any kind of influence I have, any kind of space that I have been given to try to use it effectively, to steward it in a godly manner and try to help people. Why? Because I believe that I believe that Jesus would confront injustice. I believe he did confront injustice. And I believe he used his influence. And I believe that he used his relationships. And I want to be like Jesus. So I feel an obligation myself to do that. I feel like it's right. And if it gets me in trouble, so be it. Because I'm doing what I feel is right. My question to you today is, are we willing to be that kind of people? Are we willing to be that kind of a church that stands up? and says, we will fight against injustice. We'll do the right thing. And we'll point people to Jesus. Would you stand with me and pray as we close today? Jesus, thank you for your example. You are not calling us to do anything that you did not do yourself. I thank you that you were relentless in your passion for people. I thank you that you loved me even when I hated you. I thank you that every person in this room has had an opportunity to experience that same love and grace. And wherever we are as a church, wherever we are as people in our journey of understanding who you are and how that relates to us, I pray that you would right now let the thing that we all see is that you are gracious and that you are good and that you relentlessly love us. Would you open our hearts to hear this message? As we leave from this place in the days and weeks to come, as we see things that happen in our nation, as we see things that happen around the world or in our neighborhoods or at work or wherever opportunities come for us to potentially compromise our values that we might be reminded and we might have the resolution and the steel to say, no, I'm going to do what's right despite the cost. I pray you encourage us that you will strengthen each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go ahead and uh, just move into our giving moment. If our service hosts want to come forward, we're going to close service here. We're running a little bit short on time. If our service hosts want to go ahead and come forward. You know, we give in Encounter Church not for any reason other than to because we want more people to know who Jesus is. And so your gifts allow this church to operate and allow us to be able to reach into our community and around the world. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to give. We're going to sing as the baskets go around, and then we're going to close out our service. Would you pray with me? 
Father, thank you that you are a good God. I pray that you will take every person who gives today, whether they give in person or online, we just ask that you would take it and that you would use it the way that you see fit so that more people can see your son, Jesus. We thank you for your gifts that you've given to us. And now we want to give back to you and put you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may you go in peace this week. May God bless you. And as you go, may you be thoughtful of how he's working in your life. I pray that you would bless other people this week, that people would see you as a light in the darkness, as salt of the earth, that people would see a difference in you. And that you have opportunities this week to stand up for what is right, but also to show people who Jesus is. We love you. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.